This is part two on Ephesians 5.25 to 31, and I just want to let the bombshell explode in our faces and in our minds, which Paul lobs among husbands when he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and then defines this love as gave himself up for her. Father, this giving of Christ, of himself, for the church, is the center of the gospel, the center of the New Testament, the center of the Bible, and should be at the center of a husband's mindset as he loves his wife. Oh, that you would put this truth, this reality, in the heart of every husband so that he comes a little closer to the marvel of loving his wife the way Christ loved in giving himself for the church. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul assumes that we'll know what he's talking about here, but not everybody does. So let's rehearse what he's referring to when he says Christ gave himself. This is pretty familiar terminology for Christ's giving himself into death on behalf of his people, the church. Let's look at a few passages where Paul confirms that. It's Galatians 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So God willed and planned for his Son, Christ, to give himself for our sins and thus deliver us from all the destructive effects of the present evil age with its God of this world who is trying to destroy us forever. Our sins are paid for, forgiven, dealt with in the death, the giving of Jesus. Here it is again in 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. Now there's the word death to make clear that the giving of himself for our sins is dying. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So our sins deserved death. The wages of sin is death. They could not be swept under the rug of the universe as though God were not just and holy and could just ignore the indignity that our sins have thrust upon him. So his solution to the problem of our sin is the death of his son in our place. Jesus put it like this, 
the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we were in the bondage of guilt and the bondage of evil and the bondage of judgment, and a ransom was paid, and the ransom was the life of Jesus given up in death. Here it is a little differently in Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified, set right with God in spite of all our sins, justified by his blood, in other words, his death, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's the ultimate problem of the universe and the ultimate problem of every husband. Every husband is under the wrath of God, just like every wife. And the only reason a husband is not going to go to hell and suffer eternally under the wrath of God is because the blood of Jesus has been shed. He has given himself for her and thus saved all who believe. One more passage, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, this is the Father now, God the Father, who did not spare but rather gave him up for us, did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. That's the bride of Christ, the church in Ephesians 5.25, gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give his bride, his church, for whom he shed his blood, all things? And the answer is he will. <laughs> Nothing can stop this from happening because he didn't spare his own son. And this all things doesn't mean every toy that you could have in this world. We know, in fact, that it includes the possibility of death because of verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Those are all things we experience, but the all things here is everything we need to get to glory, everything we need to do the will of God, everything we need to glorify him and make it home. He has purchased for us by not sparing his son, but giving him up for us all. Now, that gives us some sense of the glorious model for husbands in loving their wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, here are some implications. That means that. The Christ who died, the husband who died for his spouse, Jesus Christ, had the greatest authority in the world as the head of his church. He had the greatest, he had the greatest power and wisdom, or let's just say knowledge here, and resources 
of anyone in the universe. He had the greatest dignity and honor, and he had no sin. In spite of that great authority, in spite of that power, knowledge, and resources, in spite of that dignity and honor, in spite of that sinlessness, he put himself in the most horrible position of suffering to save his wife, the church. Now add to that, she was sinful. She was unworthy. She was alienated. So in spite of his own authority, in spite of his own power and knowledge and resources, in spite of his own dignity and honor and his sinlessness, and in spite of her lack of worth, her sinfulness, her alienation, he gave himself for her. That's the picture of what it means when it says Christ loved the church. And that's the model for how a husband is to love his wife, which I would sum up like this. Husbands, speaking to myself, don't ever let your authority, you think you have authority over your wife? You do. It's God-given. Don't ever let your, your power or your knowledge or your dignity or your uh, position of being her support or provider, don't ever let anything about your headship keep you from loving her like Christ loved the church. And don't let any of her failures keep you from loving her like Christ loved the church. Do you hear that? So many spouses, especially husbands, well, maybe not especially, but let's just deal with husbands here. So many husbands think that if their wife lets them down in some way, doesn't provide the kind of support he wants, doesn't provide the kind of touch he wants, doesn't provide the kind of words he wants, doesn't provide the kind of sex he wants, doesn't provide the kind of admiration he wants. He has a right to belittle her or abuse her or neglect her or in some way put her down with endless comments. You don't. Not if you're a Christian. This is your calling. You love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself into the most terrible suffering and the greatest indignity in order to love and save his wife in spite of her sin, her unworthiness, and her alienation. The rest of this is goal. This is the statement of what it means that Christ loved the church. That is the model for how husbands love their wives.